Thank you for downloading or podcasting this track. This recording has been remastered to provide the best sound possible given the audio environment of the original recording session. Mosaic Silver Spring is a faith community located just inside the Capitol Beltway in Montgomery County. For more information, please visit our website, www.mosaicsilverspring.org, and we'll see you in the neighborhood. Good morning, church. Um, Again, my name is Keller. Um, So I'll be reading from Acts 2, verses um, 42 to 47. It's on page 5 of your um, worship guide or on the screen behind me, um, where you can open up your Bibles and turn there. So let's um, hear from the Word of God. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you would speak to us this morning, that you would use Pastor Joel to um, encourage our hearts, to convict us, that you would speak through him, um, and that you would meet us where we are this morning. Um, God, I just pray that you would help us to consider what it means to... um, fully receive the gifts you've given us and to love selflessly as you've loved us. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Kevin. Most people know Dr. Martin Luther King as uh, the civil rights leader, as the one who delivered the I Have a Dream speech down on the Lincoln Memorial in the 1960s. But for two full decades, Dr. King is a Baptist preacher. He preached sermons, many of which we now have record. You can go back and read lots of Dr. King's sermons on the Stanford King Project website. Uh, They are freely available for the public to go in and track through. And there are topics that you can go and read that he preached on in the mid-50s and that he stuck with in 1960 and that he was still preaching all the way in the late 60s. So there are some key themes or topics that he would come back to again and again. He would modify them. He may change the emphasis. He may sharpen it up. But there were some key components to what Dr. King preached on. And one of those things that shows up not only in the 50s, but in the early 60s and in the late 60s, is what it would look like for you to live a complete life. And using uh, the picture of the New Jerusalem from Revelation and using the parable of the Good Samaritan, Dr. King would often talk about the three dimensions of a complete life. In his telling, those three dimensions involved length, breadth, and height. For the length, Dr. King preached that uh, that was the pursuit of our own personal goals and aspirations, our own personal gain. He said, quote, the inward concern of one's own welfare. That would be the length of a person's dimension. 
the height, Dr. King preached, would be the spiritual dimensions of our lives. You can think the vertical component. This idea that you may have your own spiritual aspirations or you may have your own uh, personal aspirations and ambitions, but that those things aren't separated from the vertical reality that God has created us and we live in God's world. And so for him, the height was uh, this uh, divinely connected component of our lives, what we may call our spiritual health. And then there was the breadth. For the breadth, Dr. King said, quote, the breadth of life is that the outward concern for the welfare of others is demonstrated, that I should submit to you this morning that unless an individual can rise above the narrow confines of his individualistic concerns to the broader concerns of all of humanity, he hasn't even started living. So Dr. King described the length of our lives, our personal ambitions, He described uh, the height of our lives, the ways in which we understand ourselves to be connected to what God's doing in the world. But then he would emphasize the breadth of our lives. This idea that we are not our own. This idea that we uh, have to be concerned for the welfare of others in our lives. Others both in the church and outside the church. For Dr. King's vantage point, in order to live a complete life... Uh, you would have components of all of those things. It's not that one is bad and the other is good. It's that you should not live a life shaped like a fishing pole, super, super long with your own personal ambitions and concerns, but not much vertical height and not much depth. For Dr. King, that would be a misshaped life. You also shouldn't be a piece of drywall. Uh, That is uh, maybe super long with your own ambitions and tall uh, with uh, your sense of like how spiritual you want to be, but super narrow, no depth, no breadth, no sense of concern for the other people in your lives. His vision of a complete life made sense not only in his own day, and trust me, the 1960s were full of civil strife and what we would now call polarization and extremism, But his sermons and what sat underneath them reached all the way back to the foundation of the Christian church. So when we talk about habits of spiritual growth, habits of spiritual formation, what would it look like for you to not only grow in your faith as a Christian, but to grow as a human being? Uh, It's not that we would demonize or say that your own personal ambitions are bad, but rather it is to avoid a misshaped life. And so through this month of August, uh, Pastor Dan has preached on service and last week on vocation, how we understand uh, what it means to serve and look out for one another, uh, what it means for us in our own giftings, our vocational calls. And, and he made clear that's not just your job, uh, that vocation means so much more than just where you work. This morning, we will look at generosity. The key thing that I want you to understand is that for the Christian life, Scripture is not only presenting the good news of Jesus as some vertical component of what it looks like for us, you and I, to live, but it's calling us to live a fully shaped life, one that not only turns to Jesus in faith, 
not only one that uh, takes serious our own giftedness and what God has given us, but one that shows care, even generosity, for the other people in our lives, a life that demonstrates breadth. And so this morning, when we pick up this summary passage from the book of Acts, we're catching a glimpse that, whoa, the New Testament Christians, people 2,000 years ago, they had this full view, and Keller read it for us. We're going to consider this summary passage in Acts. We'll look at the foundation of Christ's generosity for you and I, and how that leads to our formation, to be generous to one another. So that's the two points for this morning, the foundation of our generosity and the formation of our generosity. So that context that I described before Keller read is important uh, because uh, otherwise you can miss just dropping in, oh, wow, okay, they were gathering together regularly, there was teaching and prayer, and there was these other components, but you can miss that it is directly connected to just what has happened the actual historical event of the life of Jesus, his full ministry to these actual people present in the room, so to speak, his trial, crucifixion on a hill outside Jerusalem, then three days later, his being raised from the dead to the surprise of many, then his meeting back together over a series of weeks with his disciples to help them understand just what God is doing and how those Old Testament promises are unfolding and coming to bear. And then Jesus ascending up into heaven saying, one day I'm going to come back. In the meantime, I'm going to send my spirit. I'm going to pour my spirit out upon you. And then the events of Pentecost and then Peter's sermon and the opening verses of Acts, like Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 40. All of that context brings us to this foundation of Jesus Christ himself. It's important for you to get that because uh, otherwise you can't fully understand just what's happening. In verse 42, when it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, well, what were they teaching? What was that fellowship rooted in? Jesus himself. They were teaching these new Christians who had turned in Jesus to faith about just what it is Jesus had done, all the stuff from the gospel of Luke, all the stuff that they had lived and were a part of. They were praying together. The ascended Jesus who now intercedes on their behalf. The Spirit having been poured out. They had Spirit-empowered prayer. They were eating together. Maybe some sense of the Lord's Supper. Maybe also a sense of just gathering together in smaller groups to get to know one another. But all of these actions are rooted, the foundation is upon, not some sort of self-improvement program, not some sense of, I just need to keep living a respectable life here in Jerusalem, but rather the historical events of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension, and the pouring out of God's Spirit. So that when we see how the people are interacting, and this morning as we consider not only the teaching and the prayer and the breaking of bread, but how they were generous to one another. They showed genuine concern, giving of themselves to care for one another, that that was founded upon. That wasn't just a general sense of let's be nice, but it was founded upon 
the person and work of Jesus and how that impacted and uh, had an effect on their lives. That becomes the foundation. And that's important for us when we talk about generosity because some of you could say, I know some generous people in my lives and they're not Christians at all. They don't care about faith all that much and they seem to be pretty generous. And I, I think that's fair. I want you to hear this. I think that's fair. The difference and what makes Christianity different from every other faith out there is that what drives our generosity, what it is founded upon, what gives us strength to actually show care for one another is the work of Jesus himself. So you may come across other people who are generous, but their foundation is not Christ. For the Christian life, the ways in which we connect in community, uh, we're called to root our foundation or build our, our generosity upon the foundation of Jesus. What that helps us do is to be generous over the long haul. Being generous and giving of yourself, it's hard. And it probably doesn't look just like a straight line of extreme generosity through your whole life. It often involves kind of waves where there are times where you may feel more generous and then there are times where you're struggling and so you're not as generous and then back. But how do you maintain over the long haul? If generosity is a mark of spiritual development and maturity, if it is one of the ways in which you grow is by showing generosity to one another, then how can you sustain that over the long haul? The answer in the book of Acts isn't just be generous for generosity's sake. It's definitely not in the book of Acts be generous as a quid pro quo so you can get some stuff back. It's definitely not be generous just because that's what you have to do. It seems like from the first century to today, the church's generosity to one another and to our neighbors is founded upon what we have received from Jesus himself. It's important for us to get. God has been gracious to us, not as a quid pro quo. God's grace to you, friends, is freely offered, not because of how great you are, not because God wants to ingratiate himself to you, but it's freely offered to you because God is generous. And so when we receive that grace and we're united to Jesus in faith, that becomes the foundation for our own generosity. That's how we have this broader view of our skills and our abilities and our time and our money. That it's not merely our own because we are ultimately now family members of God. It is not our own because we are heirs to an eternal inheritance. That's the foundation for us as Christians. Now... That foundation forms us. So if you'll look with me in Acts chapter 2, I'm going to read again verses 44 and 45. Here's what was happening in that community. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. What was happening is that people knew one another in community well enough that they knew when someone had a need or something came up in their life. And not only did they know them well enough to recognize when they had a need, they were willing to give of themselves to help meet 
that need. That's quite a picture of community Christian generosity. That's what's happening here. And so both the value and challenge of generosity is that it can only happen in community from a Christian standpoint. Here's what I mean. I would make the case, and we could talk about this later in Q&A if you want, that you can't be generous to yourself. Uh, that if you already have it and you're like, ah, oh, but I kind of, I want some more, I'm in need, that you can't give it to yourself and then describe yourself as like, man, I am so generous. I bought that for myself. It was amazing. I wanted that. Uh, I had the money. I went and got it for myself. Look how generous I am. That like, that kind of undermines the exact definition of what generosity is. It just doesn't work that way. That being generous by its nature is where you give something that is yours to someone else which means you have to know that other person, uh, and you have to be connected to them. That's community. And the challenge of community is, in order for that to work, in order for us to follow, in a sense, the model and be formed by generosity, we have to put ourselves in a vulnerable spot, right? Community, uh, if it's not just community in name, but it really is us knowing one another, to the point of where we're honest about our needs and our struggles, it means we're putting ourselves at some level in a vulnerable position. And that's a challenge. It's a challenge because uh, being vulnerable is scary. Sometimes some of you have been vulnerable and it's been used against you. And that's hurtful. And it's wrong. Maybe even evil. But being vulnerable and the challenge of vulnerability is a part of what it means to live in a Christian community, and it enables the formation of generosity. It invites others in. And so if the challenge is being invulnerable, and I I hope and pray that Mosaic Community Church is a place where people can safely at some level be vulnerable with other members, then uh, the value to that is that not only are you actually known, not only does someone actually get to know who you are, and uh, encourage you and walk alongside you, but there's an opportunity for generosity in a two-way street. There's an opportunity for you to be generous to others, and there's an opportunity for others to be generous to you. Now here, there is reason for great encouragement for you if you are a member or regular attender at Mosaic. Because up to this point, through the life of our church, we have lots of generous people. We have people who are actively pursuing generosity. And if that's you and you're here this morning, I want you to be encouraged. This is a mark of spiritual growth. This is what it looks like to be a whole and healthy human being. You may regularly demonstrate concern and care for your sisters and brothers here at Mosaic, for your neighborhood, for even strangers who you come across in your everyday life. In recent weeks, uh, I personally have seen this on display, and this is just my vantage point, from community groups having hard conversations and trying to love and care for one another, to meeting one another's needs when legit, real-life world needs come up, others giving of themselves to meet it, to the newly formed men's WhatsApp group and how people have responded. Someone just puts in a message, hey, I'm doing this or need help with this, being vulnerable, 
And then others responding and saying, hey, I can help out. I'll give you some of my time or energy or giftedness to help get that done. To just the individual phone calls and texts, the individual connections and follow-up. Our community, by and large, is a generous community. If you're here and you're a member or a regular attender of Mosaic, you're a part of that generosity. So I just want you to hear this and be encouraged and say, keep it founded on the work of Jesus. There may be ups and downs to generosity. You may at times feel like you've reached your limit. That's okay. Just keep it founded on Jesus. Let that be the driving force. God's grace to you is what drives your generosity to others. Now, there are four ways if you're like, hey, I'm new to Mosaic, or you're like, hey, I'm not sure he's talking about me. I'd like to be more generous. I'm hearing about this generosity thing. I'd like to do that more. Let me give you four ways that you can think about how you can be generous as a mark of your own spiritual growth. One, you can be generous with your words. When you're interacting with others, you can try to listen and hear others in good faith. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Drop words of encouragement and affirmation where it's appropriate and honest. For introverts who are here, who stood up and just participated in that greeting time, you were generous with your words and with your emotional energy. We thank you for that. Generosity involves lots of things, uh, and there are lots of avenues in which we can be generous. Words is just one of those ways. Another way is we can be generous with our time. A significant percentage of our church is active in community groups. That's fantastic because it, it just does a number of things. It allows people to really dive deeper on a personal level. It allows them to pray and get to know one another better. It allows them to actually hear and discuss and know what's going on in the lives of others. Uh, it allows them to invite new people at Mosaic or neighbors or people in the community in to ask questions and to work through their own faith. But community groups, that's like an hour a week. That time is precious. In our area, people talk about time like gold or diamonds or platinum, uh, something that is incredibly valuable. And so every week if you're here and you give some of your time to others for the sake of being in community, you are being generous. You're displaying the marks of generosity. You can be generous with your gifts and abilities. Uh, you have an option when you see a need around you, particularly if it connects to something you're good at or something that you do vocationally. Uh, you could uh, answer a couple of different ways. I don't have time for that, and I do that all the time anyway, so I don't want to engage. That is not as generous. Or you could say, yeah, I'm willing to give uh, to help someone out, even though this is what I do. We see that across the board here at Mosaic, from technical abilities to artists to teachers, people who do stuff vocationally as a job, but they're willing to give of their time to help others out in our community. They're being generous with their abilities. And then finally, and I would be remiss not to mention this, you can be generous with your finances. The Bible talks a lot about money, far more than we talk at Mosaic. Um, we try to match when we go through the Gospels, but particularly the Gospel of Luke, uh, but really all of the Gospels and other parts in the New Testament from Corinthians to Paul's letter. 
uh, to Timothy. The, the gospel has something, or the New Testament and Scripture as a whole, has something to say about how we view our financial resources. And the key thing is this. The key takeaway, if I could summarize it up, is that we're to be generous with what we have. And maybe you can think about that in terms of application as open-handed. It's not about the amount of money you make or about the amount of money you give. It's not really so much about amounts as it is about your heart's disposition of being either open-handed or close-handed with what God has provided. That's how Scripture talks about it. So it's not about how much money you make. It's not about how much money you give. It's about whether you view your possessions and money open-handedly as a part of what God has provided for you, and so something that freely flows to others around you, or close-handedly, mine, don't come near it. You know, Smeagol from The Lord of the Rings, right? Gollum, Smeagol, is that right? Okay, thanks. So you have an option. And when it comes to generosity with our finances, Scripture calls us as Christians to live open-handedly. Not just with the local church, but especially with the local church, also with one another. That is a summary of being generous with money. So four ways. If you go forward and you say, hey, I want to be more generous in my life. How can I be a more generous person? Here's just four options. There's more. You could explore these in depth. We could talk about them in Q&A. But you can be generous uh, with your words. You can be generous with your time. You can be generous with your abilities or giftedness. And you can be generous with your money. I want you to see those different routes because when the community is caring for one another, when on the foundation of the work of Jesus we are being formed and we're growing spiritually, that involves knowing one another, looking out for one another, and that's not always merely a monetary thing. Sometimes that is a time thing. Sometimes that's a gifting thing. Sometimes that's the use of our words and speech in caring for one another. But this formation leads us to be faithful followers of Jesus. It leads us, in the words of Dr. King, to be more complete Christians. It leads us to be active participants in God's mission in the world. So that as we think through being generous to one another, it's not being generous for generosity's sake, it's doing it on the foundation of Christ and participating in his work in the world. That is something that we should all aspire to be. That the foundation of Jesus and our faith in him, our union with Jesus Christ, carries the benefits of being adopted into his family, carries the internal inheritance that's been obtained for us by the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, and carries the weight and honor of bearing the name Christian. That is the foundation that drives our generosity. And I pray that we will continue to be, and even more so, a generous community. A community that's generous with our time, and with our words, and with our abilities, and with our money. Not just so we can build a better reputation, but because just as Christ has shaped us, let us go forward and, and make uh, our generous work known to the world. Let me pray. God, I would ask that 
you would help us to be faithful to that end. Certainly, God, you have been gracious to us. You have given to us, not because of how wonderful we are, what we've accomplished, but your grace to us is freely offered because you are good, because you are love, because you are generous. And God, I pray that as we think about our lives and what we have, that it would be marked by a true generosity for one another, built on the foundation of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, we invite you to uh, stand and respond to God's word to us um, as we sing our next.